When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm feeling great, man. I am very excited to record this episode today. Very excited to embark on episode number 101. That's right. After posting our 100th episode last week. Uh, So I'm looking forward to uh, the next 100. I couldn't agree more. We hope you guys enjoyed that 100th episode. It was quite the undertaking to (laughs) plan, record, produce, and edit. And we're really proud of it, Chris. Like It's a long episode for us. It's longer than than we're comfortable with in our normal format, but kind of had to be done because we went through... 107 characters on the air and it was really fun to do but today we're back in our midnight sun series like normal we're back in the normal format of the show and it feels really good to be back because we're right here on the wire chris of pre mini stravaganza and we're gonna have a lot of news segments covering that so this is kind of the the final calm before the storm we talked about before we're kind of just going to talk about moon Knight. we're going to keep talking about the midnight suns and then we're going to have a ton of extravaganza stuff that's going to sideline the midnight suns for a bit and but we'll, we'll be back we'll get there but i mentioned the midnight suns and today we're talking about moon Knight, a very special character in the midnight suns and a very special character currently in marvel and the mcu So the timing on this seems really correct, Chris, because his show just ended on Disney+. Plus. We highly recommend it, and we're going to talk about it on the show soon. But we're covering Moon Knight today in lore and strategy on Furious Finest. I think we just need to get right into business. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. When you join, you immediately get to join our Discord community and be part of that. And it's really exciting because we have a lot of things going on with Secret Wars 3 about to start. And we also have the painting contest with no name and process on top of just the normal community happenings on our discord. So if you join Patreon, make sure your Patreon is linked with your discord and you will immediately get added into our patron 
Discord. This week, we have a very special shout out to our patron of the week, Mauricio D. Mauricio, thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. And Mauricio is a very active person on the patron. He's awesome. Chris, we cannot do this episode without our Avenger level producers, Zach Attack, Rusty, Dr. D. Dylan, Nathan, and Brian. Thank you, Avenger level producers. Thank you so much, guys. All right, Chris, let's get straight into Moon Knight lore. Moon Knight is a really interesting character. He's introduced in Werewolf by Night number 32 in August of 1975. He's created by Doug Mensch and Don Perlin. And he's seriously, he's just there for two issues. And he is introduced originally as a villain. He was never slated to show up in Marvel comic canon again. He was kind of a throwaway, appear twice villain, but the fan base really loved Moon Knight. And so he got brought back and he got brought back until he got his own series. And the thing here is Moon Knight, much like his first appearance, I I really think for a long time, the character really suffered from that same kind of indecision that his first appearance kind of brought his whole incarnation brought because every different volume of Moon Knight is going to bring a new vision of the character by a new writer. In the 80s, he is Marvel's Batman. You know, In the 80s, he is very much a regular superhero. He uses these, these disguises, these alternate personalities, quote unquote. They're really just characters he, he comes up with to, to further his crime fighting and, uh, you know, as volumes go, this gets gets morphed and morphed and morphed, and eventually we will get to something similar to the Moon Knight we saw on screen recently. So a little more kind of in-depth, uh, a little about the character than we usually do here, but uh, I think this lore episode is going to be a little different. Okay, so with that said, Chris, what are Moon Knight's superpowers? Well, like most Marvel superheroes, so something you're going to constantly see being in, in descriptions of them is especially the ones uh b list c list stuff you're gonna see olympic level athlete okay moon knight is an olympic level athlete he's an expert hand hand combatant as you could have guessed most notably uh studied a lot of boxing he is a trained marine he was a he's a mercenary for a for a time a very highly highly trained and skilled combatant and of course when he is moon knight when he has the powers of Konshu, of course has some healing powers he is very his strength uh, agility speed all very much increased he has a lot of resistance to uh psychic attacks as moon knight thanks to uh Konshu and then you know maybe whatever uh mental health things he does or does not have, depending on who's writing him. A lot of time he uses the uh, the throwing crescents, much like a batarang for a time. Moon Knight was using just guns <laughs> for a while. He's done a lot and his powers kind of change based on who's writing him and what they need. But for the most part, he's going to be stronger, faster, superhuman strength, going to have some healing properties on top of being a highly skilled fighter and combatant before gaining powers. All right, Chris. So I think we just got to learn about his history because he's got a lot. He's got a lot and we're not going to cover it 
all. We'll touch on some things. But like I said, this character's been around since 1975. And at time of recording, we're on Moon Knight Volume 9. And he's not a very super popular character. A lot of these volumes get canceled 10, 12 issues in. So he's been rebooted and kind of remixed and reimagined many times. Let's start off with Moon Knight's origin. He is born in Chicago, Illinois. He is the son of a Jewish-American rabbi named Elias Spector. Birth name is Mark Spector. Elias originally survives and escapes Nazi persecution. And this is kind of a driving force for Mark growing up. He many times resented his father for kind of fleeing Nazi oppression and fleeing Nazi Germany to America instead of staying and fighting. So this is kind of what drives Mark to get into boxing when he's a young man. He's going to get into boxing. When his story is first published, his origin story, I think, came out in 1980. He enlists in the Marines, and I believe he fights in in Korea or something. Of course, that gets re-updated to him fighting in, in Desert Storm later on. While serving as a mercenary, this is where he's going to meet uh, Jean-Paul Frenchy Duchamp, who's his longtime kind of personal pilot and friends. Uh, his brother, Randall Spector, also a mercenary, uh, serving with him, but for much different reasons, kind of more of a driven by violence and anger kind of person, actually kills uh, Mark's girlfriend, Lisa, and... Uh, Mark and Randall will have, clearly they'll get into it. Mark will leave him for dead. He was dead for a long time, but he will later come back. Now, eventually, Frenchie and Mark are going to meet uh, Raul Bushman, uh, who's impressed with them. And, and Raul Bushman is a very, very famous and accomplished mercenary in the Marvel Universe. And he offers a contract to Mark and Jean-Paul. They will accept this contract to work with Bushman. They work with Bushman uh, helping a local warlord in Sudan to quell a rebellion. But things will very quickly change as Bushman is a true supervillain, lacks any empathy, ruthless, amoral, kills for the sake of killing. Of course, Mark Spector and Frenchie do not stand for this. Mark will confront Bushman. Bushman will defeat him. And Mark will be laid in front of a statue of the Egyptian god, Khonshu, where Khonshu will offer the deal of Mark Spector becoming his avatar, becoming the Moon Knight. In return, he will be brought back to life. Mark takes the deal, dons the cloak and the hood, confronts Bushman again, defeats him with the power of Khonshu, and then decides to become a superhero. That will bring us to his first appearance in Werewolf by Night. Also, Chris, now he is an indentured servant of some sort to Khonshu, which is a big oh, part Oh, he of the absolutely is. That was part of the deal. That is part of the deal. He is, he serves Khonshu for life now, and that will, through his history, kind of come and go. And like I said, guys, he has been reintroduced and killed and been made a uh, very mentally ill person, and then the two years later... That is taken away and then reintroduced sometime after that. So I'm going to touch on some things, but we're going to really focus in on the more modern version of Moon Knight. Now, originally, of course, 
Mark is aided by Jean-Paul Frenchie and Marlene. Marlene, of course, will be his initial love interest, and they're kind of a team. Uh, so what Mark Spector does in these early days, after getting his own his first uh, comic book, Volume 1 of Moon Knight, Mark is going to smartly invest his mercenary money, and he is going to become semi-wealthy. So, of course, these three would kind of act as a unit. They were kind of based in New York. Mark's driving a cab. He's a movie star. He's a rich playboy. It's very similar to Batman in the, in the sense that these pers- these are not like personalities in Mark. They are disguises he dons early okay. on. This will, be, this will be something that changes later. Uh, but, but early on, these are, you know, he becomes Stephen Grant. He becomes Jake Lockley as, as kind of an undercover disguise. Not, these are not separate people in his head. This is purely to aid him in crime fighting. Now, following Marvel switching to the direct sales model, they used Moon Knight as one of those titles to try to force people to stop buying from newsstands and going to comic shops. So you could only find the Moon Knight titles in comic shops. This would lead to it, of course, being canceled because sales plummeted. And this would see Moon Knight joining the West Coast Avengers. He did not function well as a team. Uh, he would kind of form his initial kind of villain at this point would be no shoes rival god Seth. Uh, he has a brief uh, romantic relationship with Tigra during this time, but largely not not a ton of character development here. Other than Moon Knight, really just is is best as a lone wolf. Does not work well with teams. His next book would be Mark Spector Moon Knight Volume 1. This would run from 1989 to 1994. This is more Mark Spector and Moon Knight being a classic superhero. He's going to interact with a lot of other uh, superheroes during this time. Based in New York, so he's going to run through all of that. And the, the end of this run is going to see him sacrificing himself to defeat Seth. So Moon Knight is is killed off, and he's just gone for a while. So during volume volumes three and four of Moon Knight, you're going to start seeing a lot more of the mental instability kind of coming in. Going to start hinting at things. We're going to start leaning towards uh, DID. But it's still Moon Knight just kind of being Moon Knight. He's a superhero, man. You said DID, Chris. You mean disassociative identity disorder, of course, which is the beginnings of Moon Knight's mental illness tenets of his character is where this is starting they are 100 tenets of the character at this point uh and kind of a slow develop they've been hinted at or they've been brought in just to be just to be kind of retconned by the next writer you know here and there sometimes in the same series at this point but now that we're we're getting to moon knight volume five and this is going to be in 2006 is when this is going to start and this is where we're really going to see the beginning. Moon Knight's going to come in. The violence has already been jacked up a little bit in the 90s, but in 2006, we're really going to go for it. So this is where we're going to get more of that, that Jake Lockley side that they're really playing into in the latest Disney Plus show, the, the, the violence of Jake Lockley. We're really going to get that here. And Charlie Houston was really the writer uh, of volume five is just really pressing this, this violence angle. He's really trying to ratchet that up. But of, of course 
The book will get canceled kind of out of nowhere. And then we're going to get volume six. And this is where I think it really begins. This is where Bendis takes a stab at Moon Knight. Bendis and Alex Maleev. And of course, you you guys know I love Alex Maleev's art. But Bendis is going to write the first uh, six issues, I think it is, I believe, of Moon Knight Volume 6. And he's really going to introduce this idea of whether through Khonshu or just through life, Mark Spector is suffering from DID. He's going to introduce these this Wolverine personality, this this Spider-Man personality, this Captain America personality that Mark mm. legitimately thinks is there talking to him, fighting these villains with him. But instead, it, it, it's very Fight Club-esque in the sense that it's Mark talking to nothing and instead acting out these actions and kind of viewing them from afar when he's not the dominant personality or whatever and that really is going to get kicked up here bendis will leave the book after uh i think it's six or something issues colin bunn uh, would take over and i'm a I, I love colin bunn and then we're going to see a lot of people's favorite character be introduced with warren ellis's volume seven and that is mr knight that is where we're going to get the detective, the kind of noir thing going on of, of Mr. Knight aiding the police and just walking around being dapper, white suit, white mm-hmm. mask. He wants villains to be afraid that he's coming. He doesn't care that they know. Well, Mr. Knight's almost also a alter ego of Moon Knight, you know, in a way, too. It's oh, a absolutely. unique opportunity in this writing style to introduce not just a different facet of the character, but different shaded the personality of this character. It's very unique in the Moon Knight universe to do that. Moon Knight would play a role in Avengers versus X-Men, teaming up with a small team of Avengers. And something that's notable here is that Moon Knight will grab Rogue. And of course, we all know that Rogue can absorb some power. And when she does that, memories and life force through skin-to-skin contact. And Rogue experiences temporary madness as she absorbs all the perspective of Mark's different alter egos. Just something I think is is very interesting. So this, of course, is the Avengers versus X-Men event in 2012. So we're getting very modern here. So we're really talking about that the character has really kind of finally settled. And he is mad. And whether that's due to Khonshu or not, we're not entirely sure. But we're there. And I think it's uh, important to note. So after Avengers versus X-Men, of course, Moon Knight's book is canceled. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? So this is going to bring us to just the excellent and number one recommended reading. Moon Knight Volume 7 comes out in 2014. This is written by Warren Ellis. This is the one. This is the one. This is the one where Moon Knight is going to wake up in a men- mental hospital and really, the whole book is framed by whether this this mental hospital that he's in is real or whether his memories are real or the alternate experiences away from this mental hospital are, are real. It's very cool. And the Disney Plus show drew a lot of inspiration from this from this volume in a lot of different ways. And I think it's pretty important and it's very fun. And I'm going to wrap up this kind of really admittedly kind of a weird lore section by talking about Moon Knight volume eight, another one of my favorites, another one I think you should read. 
very similar dealing with a lot of mental instability and, and mental hospital. This one is written by uh, Jeff Lemire, penciled and inked by Greg Smallwood. Amazing art all through the run. This run really had me fall in love with Greg Smallwood's art. Um, absolutely. And and Jeff Lemire is just a wonderful writer. It's a very it's a very charming run. It's a very interesting exploration of the Moon Knight character. And I would really highly recommend that you read it. This one is also going to have a lot of uh, inspiration drawn from it for the uh, Moon Knight Disney Plus series, especially kind of Avatar versus Avatar. Uh, very fun. Uh, I guess you would say the Ethan Hawke's character is kind of derived from this. Moon Knight is getting published still. Moon Knight Volume 9. Uh, has launched in 2021. There's also a new series that's very interesting, very cool, uh, Moon Knight Black, White, and Red. Check that out if you can find it. But, you know, Jesse, kind of what I want to hammer home here is that Moon Knight is a character that's hard to nail down. He's been really searching for footing, I would say, his entire existence. And almost he's been around for almost 50 years at this point. We're closing in on it. So Mm -hmm. the fact that he's just really found his footing since, you know, the mid 2010s in the last decade, I think really shows a lot. And I think he's a character that has a lot of potential in Marvel going forward now that he's kind of found his stride. But yeah, that's that's really kind of what I want to leave you guys with is that Moon Knight has been a character searching for a long time. And uh, I would highly recommend you check out anything written past 2011 involving Moon Knight. That's volume six, seven, eight, nine, black, white and red. I think it's black, white and blood, actually. But yeah, very, very good stuff. So what you're saying, Chris, is that Moon Knight's a very complex character (laughs) and they've had a hard time writing him, but you touch on a couple of his pillars of his character, which I want to ask you real quick while we're here. Yeah, please. You mentioned he has a lot of similarities with Bruce and Batman. Yes, absolutely. Now, let's just get some of the obvious things out of the way. They have a similar power set pre the Khonshu modification, right? Well, you know... Batman's essentially a metahuman. Yeah, that's true at this point, of course. At this point, he is. But let's just talk about the essences of them. I mean, they are these sort of caped vigilantes that throw batarangs, that jump oh, yeah. from rooftop to rooftop. And they love the night. Justice. Yes, they're driven by this high moral code, though mm-hmm. Moon Knight has personalities that do not have that same moral code that Mark Spector does. Uh, you don't really see that with Batman. Batman's mental health is more in his obsession and more in Mm -hmm. his, his split personality is Batman and Bruce Wayne. His mask is Bruce Wayne. Of course. So they deal with similar issues and Batman is a lot more understated with the mental health kind of stuff, but of course, yeah, they, they are very, very similar characters. I think the big major difference is Moon Knight wears white. That's true. And he's also the avatar of Khonshu, an actual Egyptian God. And he gets, Sometimes, as you would mention, Chris, in the show many times, the writer will use that as a story element to help accelerate the plot or right. make things happen because he is powered by a god and that it gives you different things. Okay, so yeah, we got white versus black suit, but similar cape, everything, it's all there. Especially in the 80s, man. You've got yeah. you've got the the Hollywood playboy kind of aspect going, the the rich public figure kind of thing going on. 
then the the nighttime personalities ear to the ground getting information from the streets <laughs> stuff going on it's just it, they're just so similar in a lot of ways and i'm glad now that moon knight yeah. has really got his own lane because he just didn't for a long time well now they've pursued the mental health thing even more and his personality his split personality is even more with the did as you mentioned multiple times yes, sir which, yes sir you know an old slang and old dsm pre dsm five would be you know the pop culture word for that is multiple personality disorder which is not the correct right. word for that but him having disassociative identity disorder that can create different avenues for the character entirely i mean things like that even extend to what we said the mr knight sort of persona which is a per- persona of his superhero persona so cool man yeah it's great the, the idea and the way that they always illustrate that suit with uh, minimal shading and always mm-hmm. thick black lines. Clean. Very cool, man. Very cool. It. So he's a complex character. We hope they gave you a good idea of what he's like. And let's go and talk about him in the MCU. So Moon Knight's in the MCU now. Chris, he's had a full-fledged Yay. season one of a show, which is very exciting. Played by Oscar Isaac. Brilliantly. Brilliantly played by Oscar Isaac. Absolutely. And without getting spoilers of the show, because we will be covering this on our show soon, but in the Moon Knight show, we are dropped in as the Steven personality, and we don't see Mark for some time. Hey, look, man, I I think this is consistent with the character, new writers, new vision. I like it. It's a really cool way to set the scene, honestly. You know, Steven first. I disagree with you there, but we'll get into that more. Uh, yeah, later. I, I didn't love the choice personally, but ultimately the show was good. So I'm not really it's it's, <laughs> it's a very small nitpick. I'll just say that everybody wins. Yeah. So Oscar Isaac does an incredible job. And of course, the rest of the cast is incredible as well, which we're going to get to in our episode because there's a lot there. Chris. There's, there's a lot, lot there. there. Ethan Hawke rules. Ethan Hawke is just I told you he's he's one of my main guys. We talked about this a while ago and uh he continues to deliver. Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke steal the the show. Absolutely. But May Calloway as Layla is great. And then on top of that, Chris, we have F. Murray Abraham as Khonshu, almost giving a Optimus Prime level performance. He did really well with that voice of Peter Cullen's repertoire, honestly. Really conveyed a lot of the story and the feelings of Khonshu through the voice and the inflections. Honestly, very impressive. An incredible performance and an incredibly important part of Moon Knight's characters so it had to be delivered in the show and same with same with ethan hawk as playing arthur harrow and may playing layla of course so i mean important parts of the character and we'll get to that in our our show we will we will but oscar isaac kills it multiple personalities and moon knight and i'm really excited to see what more he can do in the mcu because you know chris we talk about fandoms a lot we talk about issues of fandoms people want more and more and more but like if you think about this the greatest things about these shows is like they are giving us a long form iron man one it's true we're we're getting this long form story where we get to really stay in the universe and stay with the character and still just an origin story right essentially this was an origin story yeah that's typically what these are this really was and i think that's pretty neat right that we get a long form like six or seven hour iron man one instead of a two hour iron man one but people get really fixated on i want to see moon knight doing x and y and this timeline and this storyline and they don't realize that's planned for much further in the future this was actually just truly a character study and a origin story and that's basically it and that's that's actually a strong 
directorial and writing decision that I really appreciate. Wow. Very well said, Jesse. I hadn't considered it through that exact lens. That was very good, man. That was good. I mean, I appreciate that. But I mean, it's more just, Chris, sometimes we have to step back as fans, you know, and we have to realize like what serves the story and what serves the character for new audiences. And as you just said, this is Moon Knight with new writers. This is not exactly the Moon Knight we know. He's different with every new writer, man. Like, Let it breathe, you know, let us let him get to know him 100% let it breathe let the character develop I have a feeling that uh, if season two if we get it or a movie or whatever Mm -hmm. if they can pull it off and it it really strikes a chord Moon Knight's gonna have a new kind of status quo all over again so it's just uh, like you said it's a wait and see let the story breathe and let's see where it goes I think he's gonna be huge honestly we'll see I I know there's that potential that that potential is definitely there so, Chris, closing out our lore section, you always talk about your comics, and you've mentioned them several times in passing here, but let's just get a concrete name here to book in this strategy section. What's your comic book recommendation today for Moon Knight? I'm going to recommend two books here. I think you, I would really love it if you guys could check out Moon Knight Volume 7 by Warren Ellis, penciled by Declan Shavi. Now, I do understand that Warren Ellis has had uh, some problematic things here in the recent past, but he does seem to be on the right path of making amends and owning up to his behavior. So I am of the view that we should kind of celebrate that. So give this one a chance. Uh, It's very cool. And then the next one, of course, is going to be Moon Knight Volume 8 by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. Gorgeous book, well-written please check it out. Those are great recommendations, Chris. And of course, you already sang the praises of Bendis and Malib before that. So there's plenty of, of content we can pull from if here. If you want more Moon Knight, go go check out Volume 6, of course. And then past that, it's going to be... Just keep going. Super different. Any, any Moon Knight volume you pull out is going to be a different interpretation of the character, which for some of you, that's going to be really fun. So Exciting. if that is you, yeah, let me know. Hit me up. Tell me how it goes. Awesome, Chris. Well, let's move on to Moon Knight and Marvel Crisis Protocol. All right, so we're in strategy. Moon Knight is a three-threat character in this game. His name is Moon Knight. His alter ego is Mark Spector. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of five, a move of medium on a small base, a height of two, like normal, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are three physical, three energy, three mystic, and Chris, what do you know on his injured side? He has a stamina of five, putting him right at that average three threat defenses and stamina and movement. You know what that means, Jesse? Lots of text. It means he's got cool stuff coming. And we're going to do something a little different today, like we've done from time to time on this show. We're not going to read his attacks first. We're going to read his most important innate superpower first, which is multiple personalities. Because this is going to frame how we think of this character. Because, Chris, this character is very different. He's a solid baseline three-threat characters. But then this this superpower that's an innate superpower, there's a whole wrench in the entire thing. And it makes him genuinely very different. It's what sets him apart. It's what drives how you place him. Yeah, man. Sometimes you just have to frame a character. So this innate power is multiple personalities. At the start of Moon Knight's activation, roll one die. If the result is a critical, Moon Knight may take an additional action this turn, but it must be a move action. If the result is a wild or a hit, the next attack made during this activation adds two dice to its attack roll. 
If the result is a defense or a blank, Moon Knight gains one power. If the result is a skull, there is no effect. Incredible. Incredibly high variance. It is impossible to know what you're going to get, so therefore it's impossible to plan exactly what your next move is going to be with him. Absolutely. So what do you have to do, Jesse? You've got to put him in a spot where he can react. That's true. Be in a point where he wants to be and net some more economy or actions out of this. Yeah, it's really great, Chris. I mean, seven out of eight results on the dice is nice odds. That's very high that you're going to get something positive. Now, a lot of these are, you know, they're funny where it's like, oh, round one of the game, I roll a wild. Well, I get two additional attack dice round one, but no one's in range. That happens, you know, but also round one, you could just roll the shield or blanking, just get be as guardian for round one. You can interact with two objectives. Like if you really want to, it's crazy. What a terrible thing to be able to do. (laughs) What a terrible thing. Looking at you, Danny Rand with your availability to do that round one. But honestly, this is one of those things like Moon Knight is just a solid three threat. And then in the hands of a experienced player that knows this game and knows their matchups well, they can do a lot with this multiple personality stuff because they can be like, okay, I rolled a crit, which is one of the toughest ones to get. You get a third free action that's a move. Wonderful. You could double move and then attack. That's very unusual that you're sort of getting around things without a charge, right? Like Moon Knight's doing that. So it's one of those things. I mean, you could even do stuff like move, attack, move. You know, let's mention it's no slouch that he has a crit crazy personality here, which I'm assuming is the Jake personality, which is a wild or hit. He gets two more dice that takes his attacks up to four threat level attacks or even five threat level attacks in in some instances. So you've got to think about how you play him. And there's a reason he's fragile with his health and his defenses, because if he was really defensive on top of this, he'd probably be too strong. (laughs) Let's just be real. He absolutely would, because look, he's got some good attacks. and. He's got more than that. I'm just going to go through his innate superpowers right here, right now. Sure, yeah. Because his next one is stealth. So, of course, just a refresher, uh, you must be within range three of Moon Knight to target him with attacks. That helps him. With stealth. That's very big. He's got wall crawler. That's huge. If you roll a crit turn one on a on a heavy density map. Triple move, yeah. You're anywhere you want to be, baby. That's right. Great points, Chris. Absolutely great points. And let's also not forget the synergy with his stealth and wall crawler with this free move with some of the ways you want to play him where you're like, okay, well, he doesn't really have defensive tech. I want to keep him safe. So I will spend actions to move him away, you know, force opponents to come to his range. It's very cool. And his last superpower, Chris, is reactive superpower called Chosen of No Shoe. It costs two power. When Moon Knight is targeted by a mystic attack, he can use a superpower. Add two dice to his character's defense against that attack. This character cannot be advanced, pushed, or placed by the effects of the attack. So he actually has a little bit of wizard, mystic, psychic defense, and tech from the meta, which is very cool. On a three threat that's already got the boons that he has... Chosen of Khonshu is a really nice tool, and do not underestimate that last sentence. Moon Knight cannot be advanced, pushed, or placed by the effect of this attack. That will not stop you from being moved by like a Jean Grey, uh, who moves away from attacks. She moves you with a superpower. But this is like you said, just a really nice little piece of anti-mage tech. Oh yeah, lots of mages move you with their attacks. They didn't have to put this on the kit. He was already good. 
but it's on here because of the lore. And I think that's great. And it's just this little bonus that's really helps him stand out as a very versatile three threat. Yeah. Quentin Beck is not moving him with his strikes. But on top of that, Chris, the theme of this super cool. Khonshu is just fortifying his mind, quite literally, preventing any sort of lesser being from getting in there and you know controlling Mark, essentially. But I think it's time we get into Mark's tax because he has three and they all are very different. His first attack, Jesse, is a physical attack. It is bow staff, range two, strength four, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Moon Knight gains power equal to the damage dealt. Additionally, Moon Knight may reroll any number of attack dice for this attack. And now we're going to get to the big reason you might want to take a chance and reroll some dice here. On a critical, wild, and hit, you will trigger stagger. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the stagger special condition. And guys, keep in mind that on some certain rolls, this goes up to a six dice attack with rerolls. Of course, Chris is referring to that multiple personality where you get those additional dice. And this gets crazy because it's a six dice strike, which is great in itself. <laughs> Just absolutely great. But then you add multiple rerolls. It's probably one of the better strikes in the game for building power at that point. In a weird way, you're better than Laura. You're, you're yeah. better than Zemo. Because you've got a six dice attack with a bunch of rerolls. Now, of course, can't modify skulls, which is a problem. But if you get crit wild hit, which it seems very unlikely on the four dice, but much more likely on the six dice, you will give them stagger, which is huge. huge. Like you could walk up and stagger Hulk with this, and Moon Knight's done his job for the game. Seriously. You're not wrong, man. Because now he's going to go run away and score on a point. And at least he denied a six threat character half of their entire activation, right? So do not underestimate this bow stuff. The range two is rough. Physical is rough. We know this. Like, But watch him. <laughs> when he gets those two more dice, this can spike. And that's what's very cool about this character. You don't necessarily know how he's going to perform. And the longer he's in a game, the more multiple personality rules he gets and more viable he gets as the game goes on. So keep that in mind. As hard as he is to plan a turnout for, he's just as hard for your opponent to plan for. And I, I think that's a wonderful way to capture the lore in a rule. Just brilliantly and elegantly executed. Very impressed. So let's talk about his next attack, Jesse. Yeah, his next attack, Chris, is another physical attack called Throwing Crescents. It's range four physical attack, which is very nice. Also four dice again, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Moon Knight gains one power. So this is a gainer, not a builder. We've talked about this before, but it has rapid fire. As long as you get one hit after the attack is resolved, you trigger rapid fire. Moon Knight may make one additional Throwing Crescents attack, and it must target the original target. The a second attack does not have the rapid fire special rule. We've talked about in this game how strong rapid fire is because more attacks is better than bigger dice pools in this game. Something we've learned over time because the dice do spike, the, the dice do fail. So more attacks is better. And this is another case, Chris, of let's talk about that Jake personality. If that Jake personality comes out, mm -hmm. you get two more dice this turn. It's six dice rapid fire where for one action. You're only building two power off of it because you're doing it twice. But yeah, this is really cool, Chris. And then let's talk about some very cool synergy with his kit with this. This is probably going to do with him most of the time because Throwing Crescents is very well designed and developed by the devs. Thank you, devs. Range four, which is outside his stealth range of range three. So he can actually throw Crescents 
outside of that stealth range and you have to come to him and now you've come to him and now he just hits you with a normal strike with the bow staff and might stagger you. So there is a give and take there for your opponent, which I find very cool. Or perhaps Moon Knight has four power available to him That's when you right. step into that range three to get an attack off. And then Jesse, he's going to do this. His avatar of Khonshu. It is his third attack. It is a mystic attack. I love that it's mystic so much. Let's just get that Me out too, man. Conchu's just coming in. As I mentioned, it is range three, strength seven, power cost of four. After this attack is resolved, place Moon Knight within range one of the target character. More movement, more sneaky movement on this character. Teleport, yeah. You also just get to push. No trigger. You just get to do it if the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt. It may be pushed away from Moon Knight short. That's where the four power comes in. That's what you're paying for on a three threat character with the kit he's already got. It's pricey. It can score you some points. It could also be nine dice, right? Yes. So let's talk about a couple cool things with this ability. We've talked about before the power of flying kick on Danny Rand just teleporting somewhere essentially with a range three attack. That's what this is. Excellent. You net movement like crazy, but also Chris, let's read some of how this works. The push, if the target is size two or less before damage is dealt, it may be pushed short. It just happens like you said. So you can push them short away and depending on their base size, that might be a small base with a short move or a medium base with a short move, depending on their size. But then you can trigger the place. You see what I'm saying? So like you can actually like push them away and even place yourself further than just this range three, right? And plus a one. This is kind of like mm-hmm. range three plus a one plus a push if you want it. Like you can really get different places. So a good Moon Knight player could use this in a very strategic way to like do that thing I just said. Go range three push them, go range one of where they end up at, and then they could move somewhere else, right? And get to a wide point that they didn't think they could get to initially, right? There's a lot of cool things here, but also you could just daze the character yeah. and now they're just pushed off the point and dazed. So next turn they're going to come back, but they have to move back and then they only get one attack on you and you can just sit on the point, right? So there's a lot of versatility with this avatar of Khonshu attack. And let's not forget to mention, Chris, like you said, It's a strength of seven on a three-cost character. Very uncommon. That's a very powerful attack on a three-cost character. That's very unusual. It doesn't have any cool triggers other than an auto push, but like I think it only has an auto push because if it had a bunch of wild triggers and stuff, it'd just get out of control for three threat. But this is great. And it's mystic. Yeah, it's mystic. Like you're only spending power on this and the chosen of Khonshu to defend against mages. So like you've got a good way to think about how you're using power with Moon Knight. It's on the spender and it's on his defensive tech against mystic attacks. And that's it. So that actually makes him very susceptible to energy and physical attacks. So you will have to use his actions and his multiple personality action of an extra move to stay safe from those. That's kind of his big weakness. Mm, Great point. We'll talk about his backside, Chris. Nothing changes. So he's pretty simple in the way that we just covered him because you apply all this stuff from the front side to the backside. And that's about it. So he's one of these weird attrition characters that wants to hit and run a lot. You know, and he can't be in the thick of it like a Baron Zemo per se, but when he's ready, he can be in the thick of it and do a lot of damage. And that's, I find that very cool. On top of him having stealth and wall crawler, like you said, being a pretty decent objective runner 
like just by nature of the game, right? Like by terrain and movement and stealth, like you have to come to him. And that makes him this unique hybrid of an objective runner and a damage dealer. And it's really a finesse piece because it is hard to know when to switch between those two, but that is the key to his kit. Excellent. Well said, well put. Now, I got to ask you, Jesse, where am I going to want to run Moon Knight? Where does he shine the most? Well, he has two teams that he shines quite well in. Let's talk about those first. So we are in our Midnight Suns series. He's in Midnight Suns, and I think you're going to bring him a lot. He's a three-threat character, so he helps you stay affiliated with those cheap characters. But more importantly, Chris, if it's his turn and like you roll multiple personalities with more attacks, like you could attack, double attack with him, and you could end his turn with a Siege of Darkness, right? And do one more attack with him if you want. But also, like, there's nothing wrong with it being outside of his turn and just Moon Knight performing, like, a throwing crescent. And then you say, yeah, now I'm going to go with Moon Knight and see what he does. Like, after you do that Siege of Darkness at the top of your turn, like, we talked about the power of that yep. in our Blade episode. Yep. Power of this affiliation to do it whenever they want, top, middle, end of a activation. He's really good for that. He also has some synergy, obviously, with the Midnight Sun's place because... He's got some cool movement stuff like you mentioned, but just giving him one more power to spend on placing himself range one helps yeah. some of this stuff like, oh, I'm barely in range three. That's fine. I'll bump at the night outside of range three. I'm in stealth, you know, like things like that. Like it gives him a lot of versatility to his flightiness, which is what you want to do with him. And speaking of his flightiness, he's also affiliated with the Web Warriors. And I find this very cool, Chris. Well, and that that comes from that Brian Michael Bendis run. Absolutely working with those web heads and you know he's an interesting piece for the web warriors because he's not very defensive like them but miles leadership gives him a defensive reroll right which helps him that's huge for him it is, it is definitely huge for him also he's really good in web warriors because he's got wall crawler and stealth as well so he can help them do their objective plays, scoring points. And then when he's ready to do attrition, he can do it. But like when you play him in Web Warriors, you're going to play him more that objective runner flighty style, and you're going right. to switch to that attrition maybe later in the game than you would in a Midnight Suns team. And that's perfectly acceptable. And I think he's a good Web Warrior piece for this reason. You know, uh, three threat Web Warriors are always welcome. Always welcome on that team. It's huge, honestly, because oh yeah, they've got Miles and Gwen, with their, which they're going to take most games, and now they've got Moon Knight, and that gives them a lot of room to work because now if they're adding four threats and stuff, they've already got a good base of three threats that they wanted to keep affiliation or just to go wider because, frankly, they love going wide right now, <laughs> which is a big deal. And also, Chris, I'm not going to forget to mention while we're here with Web Warriors, yeah, they give them a defensive reroll, but more importantly, they have a card called All Webbed Up. Right. You give all these enemy characters slows, right? And then all web warriors that round get additional attack dice against that. Well, that stacks with his multiple personalities as well. So you could be in a weird position where Moon Knight is attacking character with suffering the slow condition, right? He adds two dice to his attack and somehow he got the multiple personality too. He has two more dice. So what is he rolling this round? Eight dice. On bow staff. On bow staff. And he's going to get that staggered off. He's going to get that stagger off. He's going to build power and then oh. possibly be able to do Avatar of Conchu. Love it. Yeah. Man. So there's a lot of synergy there. Now, we got to talk about splash affiliations. We always do. We yes. always have fun here. And, you know, we could be at this all day, so I won't keep everyone here too long. But I could do this all day, Jesse. That's absolutely right. So Moon Knight's just a solid three threat. Like I talked about, he's this interesting hybrid of objective runner and attrition piece. So with that said, he fits most places. And and that's where we're going to kind of leave it. Like, I think he likes wide teams, 
personally. Yeah. And I think he likes teams where he attacks a lot, too. I feel like he's a no-brainer for the Sam Avenger lists. Yeah. If you got the splash space, yeah. Yeah. What are some affiliation powers that really, that Moon Knight likes? I'm assuming X-Force for a reroll. Yeah. And and continuing with that thought process, obviously he loves the winging it token, which is more rerolls than even X-Force rerolls, right? right? But on top of that, like he's not terrible in a lot of these powerhouse wide teams right now in the game we talked about, like Web Warriors, like X-Men, wide X-Men, like even maybe some Mystique Brotherhood, Chris. But on top of that- What are you talking about? What are, you, what are we talking about? I'm not sure what you just said. I didn't hear anything. He's not a terrible criminal on Kingpin's team or even Matt Murdock's Daredevil team because more rerolls, right? So so yeah, Chris, he's of course a defender as well, which he's fine for defenders. He's a three threat, which is very strong for them, but they also have some really incredible three threats yeah. on their roster. Like this is the team that has Valkyrie and Iron Fist and Luke Cage. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's a three you're taking those three every time. They also have magic. So it's like, I'm not saying magic's better or worse than Moon. I'm just saying like they have so many good three threats. It's interesting. But yeah, he's a defender. He can change his attack types and give out that hex. Seems fine with that excess power he has to spend the power to do that hex. and to do Could this. be useful from time to time. I don't see it getting nearly the amount of efficiency and economy that that you do in Midnight Suns and Web Warriors. That's true. But I mean, when is clutch is clutch, right? Like switching into an energy attack, someone's really weak weak against it, and it's your personality turn. Double rapid fire, six energy dice into them. Like That's a big rocket attack Yeah, with one action. So it's going to happen when it happens, and I I find it very cool he's thematically on the defenders. But yeah, Chris, I would like to try him in shield too. You know, just as a body, you know, like they're a wide team as well. And Ugh, uh, I have to get in the habit of keeping shield in my mind now. It's the newest affiliation. It. It's I haven't even got to play him yet, which will change that soon. But we will. Yeah, very soon. You know, yeah, I, I got to remember they're here. This is not the year of new affiliations like <laughs> we've been saying. So it's it's different. They're here, Chris, and they have a team that Bucky's affiliated with. Let's go. The best day of your life, man. It's exciting. He's not even a favorite character of mine. I just... I know. He's a character I've championed in this game since the beginning, you know? Exactly. And let's be honest, he's become a more favorite character for me because of the MCU. It's one of those weird characters that I genuinely love more because of Sebastian Stan's performance and the nuance he brings. And that's really it. I agree. I mean, it's much better than the comics in a lot of ways because of that. I think you hit on some of these big teams, Chris, that would be fun to splash them. You know, X-Force, great example. Some of these wide teams we talked about right now, great example, like Uncanny X-Men or maybe some S.H.I.E.L.D. or even maybe going wider and like a Matt Murdock criminal syndicate. These are good places for him. I think, and you're seeing a theme, I think you want to bring him in a wider team because I think you want to have other threats on the board where he doesn't get super laser focused. Does that make sense? Like you don't want him to be one of three or four models, right? And then he just, oh, Moon Knight's I'm going to blow him up, you know, because I they see. can do that. Okay. So, so that's kind of my take on him because he is this sort of finesse piece that's kind of hard to play that oscillates between attrition and objective running. And with that, he kind of needs more pieces around him to take some of the hits for him if possible, because we just talked about it. The longer the game goes on, the more multiple personalities you get, the more power dice or action economy you get from that as the game goes on. So he's only better the longer he's around. Okay. I see what you're saying. He needs to be in these five, six wide lists. Potentially. So that he can have the ability to go where the multiple personality power 
kind of takes him. Yeah, he can be. So more you're impactful. not relying him on a. You're not relying on a specific role. More kind of a support role where he's he's going to fit in where he's going to be best based on what he got, what he rolled for that turn. Yeah, and with that said, he excels probably going in the middle or end of rounds, right? He's not really an early round guy unless he's in trouble. And then if he's in trouble, you're going to go with him and try to net that extra move action or try to net that, you know, extra attack dice, you know, and then go with him. But most cases he's on a side point of the map on a flank scoring you points. And then he's coming in when he's ready. And I think that's perfectly acceptable because we have a lot of three threats in this game that do that very thing very well. And it's cool that he can do it in a different way. Chris, like Luke cage on a side point is very different than moon Knight on a side point, right? Like Luke cage, you know, okay, that's a problem. My opponent's scoring that and I probably can't remove him. Moon Knight's Well, that's also a problem because he's in stealth scoring that. Yeah, but he also can be a little flighty and maybe do some damage to my team that I'm not ready for, be unpredictable with these personalities. So I don't think people play him enough outside of Midnight Suns and Web Warriors. And I think we should try to because I think he's a really fun character with a good sculpt and he's kind of different. You know, he's a simple character when you read him initially, but then when you play him over time, you realize he's pretty dynamic and different because of this multiple, multiple personality aspect of his character that is truly random. Very fun. But Chris, let's close out this segment like we always do. Just talk about a sculpt. <sighs> My only qualm with this sculpt is that he's on a chimney and a roof and it has to be put on the ground. It can't be raised up. But guess what? You can raise it up. And I will tell you, that's what I've done. It can be done. Put some rubble under it or a roof or whatever. But I love the pose. I love that he's just kind of staff there looking over the rooftop and then his cape's flying in the wind. It's pretty evocative yeah it's presumably a new york sculpt doesn't feel yes very la so it's he's probably uh during his one of his very many times being based in new york my guess is this probably a earlier interpretation of moon knight from the sculpt but i think play wise he's more more of a maybe 90s 2000s 2010s mm. interpretation of moon knight pick one of those like volume maybe five three six i don't know yeah very good i'd like to ask amg about that question for the whales in the future it's true Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any sort of inquiries, ideas, or show collaborations. Leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It genuinely helps us out and helps the show grow. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro music please help spread the word of our show rate review and subscribe jesse's not wrong man it helps us so so much we are constantly humbled by your support and we still ask for more (laughs) (laughs) that's funny chris we're four months away four months give or take away from being in at this for three years you know and the only reason we've been at this for three years is because of the patrons, is because of the listeners, and because of you at home who subscribe to us. And then you see a new episode pops up in your feed and you give us a listen. You know, it keeps us going and keeps us working. So thank you for that. And if you can share this with your friends, loved ones, family, etc., and get the word out about this game, it'd mean a lot to us because that's our goal. And that's what we do every time we create an episode of the show is we make an episode for everyone. But Chris, the listeners can, of course, find us on social media. You can find me, Jesse, on 
Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's just J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Jesse, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Chet? Is it going to be Paulo? Is it going to be Jabari? Is it going to be, is something crazy going to happen? Like Shade and Sharp jump up to the number two pick. Presti's a wild man. What do you think? I have no answers, I, but I love you. You have it, all of it there laid bare. You know, I only have questions, buddy. I, I also have no answers. You know, and isn't that the feature of the draft in sports every time, you know? That anxiety's got to build. <laughs> That's what they do. I'm still so perplexed by the draft format of sports. Like it, it's just one of those things. I'm still not used to it, Chris, you know, because I'm not a big sports guy. And, you know, every year it's it comes weird. around and it, it still weirds me out because I just get this loyalty towards any sort of creator or affiliate program or something I follow, you know? And then it's like, no, we kicked that rider out. And you're like, oh my goodness, what? You know, <laughs> it's like that sort of thing, or it's like, oh, that filmmaker's gone from the Mandalorian team. No way, no way. <laughs> you know, it's just different in sports. It's very um, intense in that way. And that, that is a, a draw for a lot of people. But for me, it's always caught me off guard. And, you know, I love this feature at the end of every episode where most people drop off and we just have a continuation of Chris's last episode of, you know, the the draft or the sports from your Twitter. You know, we just have these mini episodes at the end. It's really quality. Well, you know, I'd love to be able to talk about basketball uh, on on podcasts, so I got to sneak it in where I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree there. Then we'll start with wrestling after that. Get ready. Yeah. I'm I'm not versed in these areas at all, but um, basketball a little bit, a little bit. So long time fan of uh, the NBA. I catch it when I can. So it's been really fun, Chris. This has been a fun, different episode of the show. And, you know, we've got some interesting episodes for you guys planned for the coming weeks. There's a lot. It's kind of in tandem and flux for us where it's like we have episodes written out, planned, ready to go. But then Mini Stravaganza is going to happen and we're going to see what happens with that. And that's going to, of course, usurp some of the things we have planned and they will come after Mini Stravaganza content from us because that's just the way it is. They, they could drop some crazy stuff on us in the coming weeks, Chris. So I kind of think they're going to. I think you're right on that. It's been really fun and we'll see you guys on the other side of that because there's a lot there. So thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger. That you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 